0: Good morning, Lakeview Church. Good morning. So good to be with you this morning. Thanks for being here. As uh, Pastor Jessica already said, thanks for taking time out of your weekend. I know that there are, as she said, I think a million other things, maybe a million and one um, that you could be doing this weekend. Thanks for taking time to be here and join us. And I want to just look in the camera as I do every single weekend and just welcome those who are joining with us online today, whether you're watching this live in this moment or on demand sometime later, we are so very glad that you've taken time to be with us. And I know those of us here in the room want to just say a warm welcome to you. So congregation, can we welcome those who are joining us online? Now, whether you're here or you've been here for a long time, I want to just remind every single one of us that we are an everyday church for everyday people, and we're striving to help every single person who comes into contact with our community of faith here to do three things, and to do those three things really well. We want to help you follow Jesus. That is the primary reason we exist, to help people know who Jesus is, come into a relationship with him, and let him change your life. And so we wanna help you follow Jesus. We wanna help you learn to live generously because we believe that as people follow Jesus, rather than becoming people who hoard and hold things closely, we actually begin to open our lives up and we become more generous with our time and our talents and everything that God has entrusted to our care. And we share with others. And we invest in others and we serve others to help them become who God wants them to be. And then we want every single person to make a difference. We believe that God created each and every person with good works and good plans that he had in mind for you to accomplish with your life. And we want to help you find what that is and then lean into it with all that you've got so that you can make the difference that God created you to make. And so we come alongside people. We help them follow Jesus, live generously, and make a difference. And we just want you to know as you look around this room, especially if you're newer, you might look around and find people that you think, well, they've got it all together. I can assure you they don't. We're all at different places in our journey. Some of us have it a little more together than others, but the reality is is that we all have room to grow. We all have room to develop. We all have ways that God is working in our lives to make us more of who he wants us to be. And I wanna just invite you to join the journey with us. Just, Just become a part of this community of faith and let's grow together. Let's become who God wants us to be together. Now, last week, we started a brand new message series called The Game of Life, and we're showing you some commercials through the decades, Uh, and so I I think that was probably the 70s that one was, and so uh, that you saw just a moment ago, but we're walking through uh, things that you would find in the game of life, like the board game that you'd take out of the box and play with your family, that also relate directly to real life. Last week we talked about the object of the game and I I tried to communicate my heart for each and every one of us that as we walk through our days and our weeks and our months that we would win in life and not, not win in the way the world tells us to win, but we would win in the way that God's word tells us to win and that we would live lives that truly honor God and become everything that he has intended for it to be. This morning, I'm going to talk to you in a message about decision making. And this is something that in that all of us encounter in the board game and in real life. You, when you play the board game, there are lots of decisions that you have to make. Are you going to go to college? Are you going to choose a career? And if you choose a career, what career? And then you've got to buy a house, and which house are you going to buy? And are you going to insure that house? And, and then you've got to make decisions at various points in the game to go this way or that way. And you've got to kind of count out the spaces and see which space is more advantageous for you to land on. And, and you've got to make decisions even at the very end of life are you going to go this way or that way as the game concludes and while that's something that's part of the game of life the reality is and you already know this that real life includes lots of decisions some of you have been sitting in this service and you've been contemplating a major decision where am i going to eat lunch Perhaps this message will be helpful for you today. <laughs> the reality is is that life is full of lots of decisions and it is the decision points in life that set our trajectory. So when we think about winning at the game of life, if we're going to to land at the place where God wants us to land in the trajectory of the days that he has marked out for us, if we're going to fight the good fight, if we're going to finish the race, if we're going to keep the faith, we have to make decisions along the way that move us in that direction, which means we have to know how to make good, wise, godly decisions. And so this morning, what I want to do is walk you through uh, some principles from the scripture that I think will help you in decision making. And this message is a bit different maybe from any other message I've ever shared here in that this will be less sermon, more lesson. And in fact, even as I kind of walked through the preparations for today, I kind of shifted away from sermon and even away from lesson to think, what would it be like if we could just sit down one-on-one and just have a cup of coffee and talk about decision-making? And so even as I was writing this message over the last few weeks, that's the image I've had in my mind. Like what would it be like to have an hour with Dave Newell for coffee and maybe some of those sweet things that your wife likes to make, like apple pie or whatever stuff she has, rhubarb pie the last time I was at your house. And, and what would it be like we could just sit down and talk about decision making while we enjoyed those treats and that cup of coffee? What would it be like if, if Don and I or Chris Ann and I could get together and just sit down and talk about decision-making? What would that be like if we could just have a conversation about principles and biblical concepts that would help us become better at this whole idea of decision-making? And as I thought about that, I realized that uh, over 25 years of ministry, I have sat down with literally hundreds of people thousands of conversations. I was trying to just have a rough estimate of how many, and, and at least once a week for that entire 25-year period, and in some weeks, multiple times, I have sat down with people face-to-face in coffee meetings or in my office, or someone has called me on the phone, and front and center in that conversation has been decision-making. Decisions that are coming at them. Which college do I go to? Which major do I choose? Do I change my major? Should I marry this person? Is this the right one for me? I've had conversations about is this the house to buy? Should we repair the car or buy a new one? What should I do in this relationship? There's conflict and I don't know how to solve it. Can you you help me figure out what to do here? I'm trying to decide how to handle this issue at work. Can you give me some insight here? My marriage is falling apart. What should I do next? Should I file for divorce? Should we adopt these kids On and on and on the list goes of all kinds of decisions that I've had an opportunity to process with people for a variety of things. And some of those decisions have been maybe more minor. Others of them have been really, really significant decisions. But all of them are important because every single one of them is a trajectory moment in moving either closer to what God has for us or perhaps moving farther away. And so how do we go about making those decisions? And then then I was thinking about the fact that in my own life, I've had lots of decisions I've had to make. And at every single one of those decision points, I've had people that I've turned to to say, can you help me? And as I've had conversations with them, And had cups of coffee with them to say, here's what I'm dealing with. Give me some wisdom here. I've learned some things from them. And as I was writing this message, I literally just went back and I thought about all of the advice that I've given and all of the advice that I've received. And I tried to put that into some kind of cohesive presentation that could say, here's some things you ought to know about decision making. Now last week I told you it had been a while since I preached and this is just week two back and I've got 13 points today. (laughs) And no, I'm not kidding, I have 13 points and I'm gonna move as fast as I can. Uh, through these 13 points. I'm gonna give them to you in two sections. The first part of this message is really what I call six big principles for decision-making. These principles are principles that ought to sit at the foundation of our decision-making process. These are things you ought to know about God and about what he thinks about you and about his willingness to assist you and help you in decision-making. So I want to start with those six big principles. And the first principle is this. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. This is really important for you to understand. And I'm not just saying that God has a plan for you in this next decision that you have to make. I'm saying I want you to know overarching big principle. God has a plan for your life. You may have been, have been thought of when you were born as being unwanted or maybe even a mistake, but I want to let you know, whatever you think about how your life began, you were not a mistake, and you have always been wanted because it was the God of the universe who created and formed you in your mother's womb, and when he put you together, he knew exactly what he was doing, and he was shaping and forming you from the earliest moments of your existence, existence with plans and purposes in mind for you to accomplish in this world. God has a plan for your life. Scripture teaches that over and over and over again, and it's important for us to understand it because when we know God has a plan for our life, then we recognize the context for decision-making, that decisions really aren't one-off decisions, When you decide what college you're gonna go to or who are you gonna marry or are you going to get married? All of those decisions that that come together, are you gonna move here or there? Where are you gonna live? What are you gonna do for a career? They're not one-off decisions. Each one of them is a trajectory moment that either moves you closer to God's plan for your life or farther away from it. And you need to think about each and every major decision in light of that context. Now, I had a thought that some of you might be thinking right now, listen, I've made a lot of decisions that would not be taking me closer to God's plan for my life. They've taken me farther away. And, and when I think about the path, I think I'm just too far away from what God wants for me. I want to just speak to that right now. Jeremiah 29, 11 It's a verse that I referred to last week. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and to give you hope, give you a future, not plans to harm you. These are the very words of God, and they're written to the people of Israel. But what you need to know about these words is that they were written to Israel at one of the lowest points in their history. God had a plan for Israel. God had a desire for what he wanted Israel to be and what he wanted Israel to do. But you know what Israel had done? They had just made decision after decision after decision after decision to move away from what God had planned for them. And they found themselves so far away from God's plan and God's purpose for their existence. And, and there comes a moment where God is warning them over and over and over again, come back, come back, come back, return to me, return to me. And they just keep ignoring God and keep making decisions and moving farther away. And now they are in a completely different universe from God's plan for their life. And God literally raises up an enemy to come in and to conquer them and to move them into exile. And so they get carted off to a foreign nation. They're taken away from their temple. They're taken away from the land that God had given them. They are now far away from what God desires for them. And right in the middle of the worst season of their life, when they think there's no hope and no possibility that God could restore them, God writes these words to the prophet Jeremiah and he says, I just want you to know when I think about you, I don't think about, man, you've made a lot of mistakes. God doesn't say, I can't wait to punish you for every bad choice you've made. No, when God thinks about his people, he just thinks, man, I love you. And when I think about you, I've got good thoughts towards you, good plans, good purposes. And if you'll just return to me, I'll fulfill every single one of them. I know that you might not think that's possible, but I'm here to encourage your heart today. Wherever you find yourself, no matter how far away from God's plan you might find yourself today, you're not too far for the arm of God to pick you up and put you right back on the path he wants you to be. God's got a plan for you. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. We've got 12 more points to go, and this is going to be a long sermon. I'm going to move faster, I promise. (laughs) Thank you. I need that. My heart needed to hear that, that you believe in me. Second principle, God wants to lead you. Some of us think that God has a plan for our life, but he's designed it as like a puzzle master, that he's created this this puzzle that we have to somehow solve, and if we can solve it, we will unlock God's plan and purpose for our lives. And it's as if God created the plan, designed a puzzle, and then steps out of the picture and says, good luck. Some of you feel that way, that God has a plan for your life, but you have no idea how to discover it, and you feel as if you're on your own, but I want you to know God wants to lead you into that plan. That's God's greatest desire. Jesus talks about this in John 10 when he says, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Listen, some of you think that the only people who can hear God's voice are the really special Christians the ones who kind of are really spiritual. And maybe you don't put yourself in that category, but I just want to let you know that hearing the voice of God is normal Christianity. So if you just consider yourself to be normal then you ought to tune into God's voice because you can hear God's voice too. You don't need a theology degree. You don't need to attain some level of advanced discipleship. All you have to do is open up your ears and ask God, speak to me clearly and let me hear your voice because the shepherd of the sheep, he loves to call to his people. And when he calls, we can hear his voice. And when we hear his voice, he'll lead us into what he has for us. God wants to lead you. Third, God is available to help you. God is available to help you. And it's one thing to say God wants to lead you, but it's another thing to recognize that God's actually available. And I take you back to Jeremiah 29. We often know uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, especially if you knew somebody who was religious when you graduated from high school because they likely got you a card that has this verse in it for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord right you know 2911 but if you just keep reading in Jeremiah 29 again the words of the Lord this is what God says to his people in those days now remember they're in exile because they've turned their back on God but in those days he says when you pray I will listen Think about that. The God of the universe tunes in to your voice when you ask him for help. I will listen, God says. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And here's what I want you to know. God has plans for your life. He wants to lead you, but you won't find the plans if you're just looking for the plans. Don't seek the plans, seek God. Because if you find God, you'll find everything he has for you. And even if the plans are slow in coming, you'll still have God. God is available to help you, which leads me to the fourth big principle, which is pray first, pray first. First, We say it around here quite frequently. Prayer should never be our last resort. It should always be our first response. So when you walk into moments of decision-making where you know you've got a big decision that's gotta be made, I wanna just encourage you before you do anything else, just pray. God's got a plan. He wants to lead you. He's available to help you. Just pray. Just call on the God of heaven to join you in that moment and when you make yourself present to the one who is always present with you, he will show up and he will begin to speak and guide and direct and lead and he will show you the path that he's marked out for you. Pray first, just seek God, just ask him for help. I love what the book of Philippians says, Philippians chapter four, don't worry about anything. Some of you need to hear that today. Don't worry about anything. How could you live a life free of worry, especially when there's all this stuff going on around us and there's big decisions and they're gonna set the trajectory of our lives. How in the world could you live a life without worry? Well, in order to live a life without worry, you've got to live a life of prayer. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. That coworker who gets on your nerves, yep, pray about them. Don't talk to all the other coworkers about that person. Talk to the one who can do something about it. Talk to God. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. You've got bills to pay and not enough money to pay them. Don't worry about it. Talk to the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and can supply every need that you have. Pray first about everything. Tell God what you need, Philippians 4 says, and thank him for all that he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Pray first. Number five, think it through. You ought to pray first, but then you ought to put your mind to work. As my grandparents used to say, use your noodle. I don't know if you had grandparents who said things like that, but my grandparents said things like that. Use your noodle. Think it through. Put your thinking cap on and actually go through an intentional decision-making process that will help you arrive at the best decision, not just the one that makes the most sense, but the one that God is leading you into. Think it through Jesus taught this himself in Luke chapter 14 when he says suppose one of you wants to build a tower won't you sit down first and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it this is a teaching on Jesus about making decisions and specifically it's about making a decision to follow him Jesus says, before you decide to become even a disciple of mine, you ought to sit down and really think that through, because this is a major life decision. Shouldn't be made flippantly. You shouldn't make it without understanding all of the consequences, because when you commit to me, you've got to give me everything that you are. So you should maybe sit down and think about that for a little bit. We've got to think through these decisions. Now, I just want to make it really clear. If you're deciding where to go to lunch today, you don't need to spend a whole lot of time thinking about that. Just pick a Mexican restaurant, <laughs> just pick one of them and go there. That's all you need to know. I know what Keith Fields has already decided. And, and if Keith was an amen in church, he would amen me right now because he, he wants to go to Casa Brava. I'm just telling you right now. Just pick a restaurant. It's not that big of a deal. But if you're deciding where to go to college or who to marry or how to deal with that relationship issue, how to make the ends meet, should you, should you change the entire trajectory of your life? Should you follow Jesus? you need to really think through that. You need a process for those decisions because they're big ones and they will change the trajectory of your life. You'll eat lunch today and it's not gonna change the trajectory of your life. But those other decisions, the big ones, those are the ones you need a process for and in just a minute, I'm gonna give you that process but I wanna give you this last big principle first and here it is. The bigger the decision, the more important the decision-making process Again, if it's a small decision, you don't need to spend a whole bunch of time and energy on it. Just make the decision, move on with your life. But if it's a big decision, man, don't make those flippantly. Don't make those in the heat of the moment. Don't make those just based on the feeling that you have right now in this second. You need to step back and you need to ask God to give you the wisdom and discernment that you need so that you can all things considered, make the wisest, best decision possible in that moment. The bigger the decision, the more important the decision-making process. So when you get to that moment, what kind of process should you use? I'm so very glad you asked. So we can go to the second part of this message. Again, I want you to just imagine we're sitting down having coffee right now. And in fact, what I'd love for you to do is think about the next big decision you've got to make. And if you can't think of one that's coming, I'd love for you to just imagine and think about the last big decision you made. And I want you just to have that in your mind so that these principles begin to have some context as we walk through them. I'm gonna give you seven questions that I think you need to ask yourself for every major decision that you encounter in life. Seven questions you ought to ask yourself. Number one, who are you trusting, yourself or God? Who are you trusting, yourself or God? Proverbs 3, verses five and six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Listen, when we come to these big moments of decision, let's begin in the right place. All year long in 2023, we said, our theme of the year is that we would put God first. And that ought to be true in our disciple making and in our decision making. We basically come to a moment where we say, okay, big decision, God. Before I go any further, I just want to make it really, really clear that I'm not trusting in my own wisdom, my own knowledge, my own feelings, my own understanding. God, I'm trusting in you to lead this process because you promised me in your word that you will show me which path to take. So show me, Lord here's what I know about God, God is always faithful to his word, he never lies, he never changes his mind, so when he says, if you trust in the Lord with all your heart, and you don't lean on your own understanding, he'll show you which path to take, he'll do it, that's who God is, so ask yourself that question, number two, have you asked God for wisdom, Have you asked God for wisdom? When you have a major decision to make, you need wisdom. And you need wisdom not from this earth. You need wisdom from heaven. And I love what James says about this. James says, if you need wisdom, and you need wisdom, and so do I. This is a promise from the word of God. If you need wisdom, ask your generous God, and he will give it to you. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God's never gonna say to you, you can't figure this out on your own. What's wrong with you? That's not what God's gonna say. God's gonna say you need wisdom. Here you go. He'll never rebuke you for asking. Instead, he's just gonna give it to you generously because he wants to lead you and he's available to help you. If you lack wisdom, just ask him. Number three, Have you explored what the word of God says? Have you explored what the word of God says? The reality is, is that God has already infused wisdom into every page of scripture. And he's saying to us, sometimes I've given you wisdom. Just look in the word of God. It's right there. Just access what I've already given you. And and we've said this before here at Lakeview. I just want to say it again. You must be in the word of God. Listen, I'm telling you right now, this world that we live in is discipling you and they are not discipling you toward God's path. They're discipling you away from God's path. And if you don't dig into the word of God and let the word of God disciple you and shape you and form you into the word and the will and the way of God, you're going to just let the world disciple you and you're going to have your mind and your heart filled with all kinds of philosophies that do not reflect God and his character. But if you want to live for God fully, you must be in the word. When we come to decision making, you've got to dig in the word. And I just want to encourage you, this comes in a lot of different ways. Sometimes, sometimes because we've been reading the word, which is why it needs to be a discipline, even on days when you get done and you say, I don't think I got anything out of that. Okay, it's fine. You're just putting stuff in the storehouse. Because there's gonna come a day when God's gonna, through his Holy Spirit, draw on what's in the storehouse and he's gonna reveal something to you and you're gonna say, I, I remember something in the scriptures that speaks to this. So even on days when you don't feel like you're getting anything, just keep doing it. Keep putting it in the storehouse. And then there are other moments when you have that Bible reading regularity that you're facing a decision and you open up your Bible to read just like you do every other day and God is gonna speak. He's gonna have that perfect verse in the passage that's on your reading plan for that day and you're gonna step back and say, how did God know when I started this plan 200 and some days ago that I would be reading?" reading these words right now in this moment when I need it. And I don't know how he knows he's just God and he's, he's just good like that. So I just want to encourage you, put the word in the storehouse so the Holy Spirit has something to work with. And when you get into those moments, when you open up the Bible and God speaks in that instant, just what you need in just the right moment, just give him all the thanks and praise for the way that he leads you through his word. Number four, have you sought counsel from God's people? Some of you really struggle with this because you don't want to let anybody know you need help. And so you just live in your own little bubble and you try to figure it all out on your own and you try to process it all and you maybe even pray, maybe even read the word, but, but you don't ever rely on your brothers and sisters in Christ to give you wisdom. And I just want to encourage you to, to lean into the body of Christ. You need wise counselors. Book of Proverbs talks about this when It says, where there is no guidance, a people falls but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. When you go it alone, when you just decide, I'm gonna figure this out all by myself, and I'm gonna make my decision and move on with my life, you are, you are driving very close to the edge of the mountainous road. You might get it right, you might. But if you don't, there's no guardrail. And you're just gonna careen off the edge in that particular decision. But when you go to the people of God and say, hey, I've got this decision, can you help me here? All of a sudden, you're still on that same road. It's still the same big decision. There's still danger on the sides of the road, but now you've got guardrails because you're encountering the wisdom of the body. This is why it is so critical for you to be in a small group, because you need other people. Christianity is not a solo sport. You must play on a team. And you need a community of people who are reading the scriptures with you, who are encouraging you, who are praying with you, who are helping you identify next steps and helping you in those moments of decision to find the wisdom that you need. Have you sought counsel from God's people? Number five, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit saying? God speaks through his word. He speaks through his people. But sometimes he just speaks directly to you. And he tells you what to do in this moment. The prophet Isaiah talked about this in Isaiah 30, 21. He says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I want to just encourage you, again, hearing the voice of God is not extraordinary Christianity. It's just normal. The people aren't in the Bible because they were special. They're in the Bible because they were good examples of what normal faith looks like. Stop reading the Bible as if those were extraordinary people and I could never live like that. No, the reason they're in the Bible is because they're normal just like you and God's saying, this is what could be true in your life. Listen for the voice of God. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. It's interesting, when you read the Bible, you'll see sometimes that they, they cast lots to make decisions and we don't cast lots in our culture, but if we had something like it, it would be rolling the dice, like, Lord, give me wisdom, and then roll the dice, and whatever the dice say, then that must be God's voice, and and you might think that's funny, except listen to uh, what it says in Proverbs 16. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. Now, it's interesting. I'm not telling you in your next major decision to say, Lord, give me wisdom, and roll the dice. I'm not saying that at all, But it's interesting because if you read the Bible, they cast lots in the Old Testament all the way to Acts chapter one. In Acts chapter one, when they've got to replace Judas, remember he went out and killed himself after he betrayed Jesus, and now they've got to replace the open spot on the team that Judas left. How are they gonna decide who to pick? They they put the candidates in front of them, and Acts one says they cast lots to choose Judas's replacement. That's the last time in the Bible casting lots is recorded. And you might say, why is that? Well, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is given. And from... Every point after that, when they were talking about major decisions in the church, they talked about how the Holy Spirit had guided them. In fact, when they were making some of the major decisions of the early church in one passage, they say, this decision seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. Listen for the Holy Spirit's voice. Number six is your heart at peace is your heart at peace, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. We started with God. Don't depend on yourself, depend on him. And when you start there and carry that through the process as you ask for wisdom and look at the word and seek counsel from others, and as you begin to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit, God gives us peace. If I had time this morning, I'd tell you about one of the major decision moments of my life where I'd come right up to the decision moment. I mean, right up to it. And everything that I had sought was saying, say yes to this, say yes to this, say yes to this. Even wise counselors, even the boss that I was working for at the time was saying, you say yes, you should do this, you should do this. Which I don't know what that means when your boss says, please take another job, please. I don't know what that means. But everything, the pay, the status, everything about it, everything that I had sought out saying, yes, yes, yes. And I had to have a phone call with the person who had offered me this job and it was at a set time and I'd talked to my wife and we had had, you know, we I had already written the acceptance letter. That's how close I was to saying yes. And right before I picked up the phone, literally in the 90 seconds before that call was to start, I just did not have peace. I just asked myself this question, is there peace in my heart? And when I really got quiet in that moment, I said, I do not feel peace about this. And so I picked up the phone at the beginning of that call and I said, I had every intention of taking this job, but my heart is not at peace. And because I've been trusting in the Lord in this process and he has not given me peace, I can't say yes. And I said no and I walked away from that opportunity and I could tell you all the great stuff that's happened since then, but but if you don't have peace, don't move forward because God will give you peace. Number seven is your primary aim, God's glory if you find yourself making a decision and the end of it all is just so you can get more, more for yourself, I wanna just encourage you to turn that around and say, what does it look like for me to give all the glory to God, and is my aim in this decision all focused on how I lift him up, how I honor him, how I, how I submit to his leadership? Listen, there are gonna be some times when God asks you to do things that you don't want to do, and the decision-making process is gonna lead you to a conclusion that you wouldn't choose if it were up to you. And if you think that that won't happen to you, I just wanna remind you of Jesus who got to a place in his life where he said, if there's any way, Father, that this cup could pass for me, this is not what I would choose. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And in that moment, you're just simply gonna say, God, this is not what I would choose, but it's not about me. It's about bringing glory and honor to God. This is what Paul says. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This morning, as we bring this time to a close, I just wanna invite you into just some quiet moments of prayer and reflection. And to do that, I'd love for you, if you would, just to bow your heads, close your eyes, nobody looking around. I just want you to take some time to think and process this morning. And as you're thinking this morning, I want you just to call to mind maybe a major decision that's in front of you. Maybe it's one that you're getting ready to make. Maybe it's one you should have made yesterday and you just couldn't pull the trigger and you're trying to figure out what to do or or maybe you see it, it's coming down the road at you. Maybe it's still weeks or months away trying to figure that out. How many of you this morning just by raising your hand would say I have a major decision that I have to make coming soon and I would like God's help just raise your hand because I just want to pray for you. And there are hands up all across this room. So God, right now, I just want to pray for everybody with a raised hand. You know the decision. You know what they're dealing with, what they're processing what they're thinking about, what they're considering in this moment, God? Would you speak words of encouragement and strength to them? Would you remind them that you have plans and purposes and they're good? Would you draw close? Would you help them? Would you make yourself available? Would you give of your generous storehouse of wisdom? Would you give it to each and every person with a raised hand today? make yourself known to them in these decisions. And God, I pray that they would sense your peace and your guidance and your direction. You can put your hands down. I would love for you just to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed just for one more moment because there's some of you in this room who have the most important decision of your life to make today and it's the decision that you've maybe been processing for a while or maybe it's just become clear to you in the moments of the service that you need to make a decision whether or not you're really going to live for God whether or not you're going to follow Jesus Maybe you've made that decision a long time ago, but you've walked away. You've made lots of choices that have taken you off God's path. And right now God's inviting you back onto the path. If you'll just turn, he's gonna hear your voice when you pray and he's gonna let you find him in this moment and you'll be able to restore the relationship. Or maybe you've never made that decision but you're ready to today to come for the very first time into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if today you want to make a decision to come back to Jesus or to follow Jesus for the very first time in your life, I just want to ask you right where you're at to raise your hand. Nobody's looking. We're not going to embarrass you or call you out. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? For those of you who raised your hand or maybe you just couldn't bring yourself to do that but you really want to make a commitment to follow Jesus, I just want to invite you to pray these words. You can pray them out loud if you feel comfortable doing so or you can just pray them quietly in your own heart. But I want you to say these words to Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you have plans for my life. And Jesus, I thank you that no matter where I have gone or how far I have strayed or what I have done that has taken me away from your plan, in this moment you hear my prayer and you are willing because of your grace to forgive my sin and to bring me back into a relationship with you and to place my feet back on the path that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for providing a way for me to be saved. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my mistakes and my sin and my error. And thank you for restoring my path and the plan that you have for me. God, I commit to live the rest of my life fully for you. Help me to follow Jesus and the plans that you have for my life. And for all of this, God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, there are people that just made commitments to follow Jesus, and I think we ought to celebrate what God has done among us. Pastor Jessica is going to come back and give us some instructions to close out our service. I want to invite her to join me on the stage. And I just want to encourage each and every one of us. God is doing something in our church. Let's lean into that and make sure that we're staying open to whatever God has for us.